one artist that I've always, always idolized for that reason is John Mayer. Oh, yeah. I like, I don't care how much of a bandwagon or train it is. I love John Mayer and yeah. I love everything that he's done um, from Room for Squares up to up to his latest albums. And yeah. I think like the way that he has evolved as a musician, I think it, basically exactly what you said, the one thing that scares the absolute hell out of me that I never want to do is is make two songs that sound the same. I think what we're talking about that you've got to do it for you. You can't be doing it for anyone else. You can't be doing it for an expectation to to get a song on radio or get a song nowadays it's like more so playlisted. Mm. Um, you need to be doing it for the genuine love of doing it and anything that comes with that is a bonus. Yeah. Whether it be people coming along to shows, people listening to your music. If you're if you're writing songs and, and playing music because you genuinely love it, then no one can take that away from you. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing, the most important thing that I've learned. Welcome to Songwriter Trysts. This is an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I love talking with other artists about the power of songwriting and their journey to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. Please support the podcast by subscribing or you can buy us a coffee all through the website songwritertrists.com. The single most powerful thing about writing songs is like you have that opportunity to to keep songs for yourself if you feel like they're for you yeah. and you have equal opportunity to share those songs with the world if you feel like there is either shared trauma or shared experiences there that, I don't know, people can, I guess, sometimes pre- precariously live their life through other people's songs and like, I guess, mm-hmm. relive moments through people's songs and I think that's... That's the one thing that I find so special about writing as well is like in a live setting, getting to hear songs that I've either written in my van or my bedroom or where, wherever it may be mm. and have people sing those songs back to me or come up to me after the show and go like and, and tell me how much the song has, has meant for them in, and it's always in, a, in somewhat a different way. Yeah. And it's like it's so nice and rewarding. I guess that's, that's the most rewarding thing for me is like hearing how songs can have an impact on people's lives and there are so many songs that have done that for me yeah. and so many of my own songs as well but um I guess it's just crazy to to get to a point where where your music can do that for other people I think that's the most special thing it's so powerful and sometimes especially if you've been through trauma it can be a victimizing thing that we say to ourselves like no one's going to understand no one else has ever been through what I've been through I'm so alone right and even though when we write songs, it's from our own personal experience and um, as human beings, we all experience pain and suffering and, and emotions differently, but it's also the same. Mm. I think that's the emotion. Like say you write, like uh, for example, I wrote a song that was about the child abuse and mm-hmm. after the court case and about me moving on from that trauma and the grief of the lost childhood mm-hmm. essentially. But the emotion of loss and grief is universal. And the song was about that loss and grief of my childhood. But after I released the song, I had other people saying, like people who had lost their children, like their child had physically died and they wanted to play that song at the child's funeral. And it's like, whoa, like it's the same emotion 
and they're connecting their experience of that emotion to their life. But it's so beautiful. Even though it's not the same, the emotion's the same and we all feel it. We're all human. I think that's the the best part about sometimes people not even knowing what the song's about and just leaving it for their own interpretation to to fit it into their own little corners of life and, and experiences that they've been through. I think that's the most powerful thing and it's it's crazy to think that like you can create that by playing a couple of chords and 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 writing something down on a piece of paper and and singing it, and singing it. like it's so what i usually start the podcast by getting you to introduce yourself but we've well, gone on like a tangent here. but tell me good. like where are you from and <clears throat> and who are you and like why did you start songwriting cool <laughs> um my name is austin mckay and i am from newcastle on the east coast of new south wales um, my music journey started very, very young and yeah. it's, I've never really had it any other way. I, um, I started playing guitar when I was six years old and, um, started writing songs, not good ones at that, but very, very close <laughs> to that time as well. I know that's not supposed to be the, like, yeah, wasn't a prodigy at all, but, um, but yeah, I started writing songs at probably I'd say eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and my family moved over to China where we lived for a couple of years. My dad is an engineer um, by trade. And um, we, yeah, moved overseas and lived there for for two and a half, three years. And basically in that time, like my mum homeschooled me and my little sister. And um, in my off time, didn't really have all that much to do other than ride mopeds around and teach myself to play the guitar I did yeah we tried um we tried going to a Chinese school but we lived in a very isolated part of China um in a place called Xinhua in Jiangsu province and um we were like the only other English speaking people were translators in in the little town that we were living in so um and there wasn't many um English speaking people over there so it made it really hard it was a cultural shock I think especially being in that um, that sort of, I guess, period of your life where you're learning so much about yourself, I guess. Mm. We moved over there when I was seven and moved back when I was 10. And it was like that, that weird shift between like, I'd made friends in school and then moved away for three years and come back and felt like I just didn't know them at all. And like, yeah. they'd made all these connections with each other and mm. sort of, you know, how preteens, like my preteens kids are and they're the so moment. clicky seven to 10. That's my kid's age. Right? Yeah, and it is. It's such a big, I mean, kids are clicky adult. Everyone's clicky. Everyone's Ad- adults clicky. are clicky. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, it's, it is important to socialize. However, my parents were missionaries and I traveled a lot as well as kid. And it is, it changed me. I was a shy kid, but it forced me because we were traveling all the time to be more outgoing. Otherwise I'd be lonely. I think that's had that effect on me more so now in life than it did Mm -hmm. sort of growing up. I think, um, yeah, as I was sort of saying, like coming back from, um, from living overseas and coming back into school, everyone felt like they had their own little, yeah, cliques and friend groups. And it was sort of, Mm -hmm. found it quite hard throughout like my late primary school, early high school years to actually like, fit in and make friends. I feel mm-hmm. like I lost sort of part of my upbringing socially, I, I guess. And, uh, but I had mm-hmm. such a good upbringing in a different way. It just, yeah. it just wasn't the, the sort of, the, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it wasn't, wasn't sort of the way that everyone else was brought up. And I think that was it, it, that because that wasn't shared. I think mm. that was sort of, 
unintentionally, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but it, it would have made it a lot harder to sort of fit back in because we just, we just mm. didn't live the same life for three years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I taught myself guitar over there. As I said, there wasn't much else to do. And, um, well, aren't we all grateful you did? <laughs> yeah, I, I sure as hell am. It's beautiful. And, um, and yeah, once I moved back, I just didn't stop. Yeah. So what, what was it that made you pick up the guitar at six? What was your inspiration? I grew up on sort of old MTV videos. Mm-hmm. Um, always when the TV was turned on, it was it was like the ACDC era, Cold Chisel era. <laughs> I grew up on like Aussie rock yeah, okay. and I love it. Um, and I still do to this day as well. <laughs> My 10-year-old loves ACDC. That's and he amazing. just discovered System of the Down. <laughs> it's just, oh, I, I haven't gone down that path. but System of the Down, they've got um, like... The song, The Death of Aaron. Look it up. It's hilarious. Okay. Like it's, yeah, if you yeah. love ACDC, you'll love it. For sure. His face when he heard it for the first time, he's like, he's like nuts. <laughs> like I crazy. think there's something so, I don't know, empowering about watching a rock and roll music video or a rock and roll live take when you're a young kid. It's something so inspiring. Like I feel like growing up, kids kids want to be like astronauts and firefighters and and I guess for me, I, I just wanted to be a rock star oh, that's so <laughs> from cool. a, from a young age. And I guess as time has gone on, I've realized that there is so much more to music and there is so much more to life than being a rock star. And you, you sort of, I've fallen more so into, into enjoying the songwriting process. And, and obviously that's, that just comes with, with growing up and realizing that there's, it's not all Rock that. and roll. It's rock. not all rock and roll and yeah, no. Freezing to death in the back of a van in London somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That. But um yeah, I think that that's sort of what got me into into music initially and I started writing. I, I remember the first song that I wrote was like I was I was eight, I think, and I was writing about like having a bottle of Jack in my left hand and I was oh. like I was like I was so like cool. thought I was like this like country rock star. Like it was <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, as I've sort of like grown into music and and I started playing gigs when I was about thirteen years old, wow. and um, so your family was really supportive then, like oh, so supportive, and buying you equipment and like it's insane. I, I tell this story on stage almost every night, so I feel like a bit of a broken record. But oh. my mum and dad have been out to something like two hundred pub gigs because I wasn't allowed to play in pubs and venues before I was eighteen oh, without like that. parental guidance. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it was um it was commitment from them to say the least. Like it was either mum or dad or both of them at two, three gigs a weekend, like all through high school. That's awesome. And until I was 18 and even still like mum, mum still comes to any gig that she can come to. She was on, she was on tour last (laughs) week and she like, yeah, she flew back home to Newcastle, but yeah, she come up and did a road trip up to Queensland with me and she just loves it. And they are the most supportive people ever. I remember there was one time when my dad was like, do you want to like do a trade or a degree or something for a backup? And I was just like, no, he's like, okay. He's like, you do your thing. But I um, I think that was the the best thing I had the perfect happy medium between like amazing supportive parents and parents that didn't push me into anything as well. Like yeah. my parents are, are s- polar opposites to me. Like they can't play music. I've tried to teach them. Engineer and what's your mum do? Um, my mum is a manager at a petrol station. Nice. Yeah, so she's sort of done that for most of her life. But, yeah, she was a stay-at-home mum for, for years while Dad was working and she was, yeah, yeah the best stay-at-home mum. I couldn't yeah. ask for a better mum.
sister and um i guess as like as i'm growing older i I realize more and more like how much of his own life he sacrificed for me to be able to do the things that i love to do and for my sister to do the same and and what i love to do is play music and they've always been so so supportive and um i guess yeah if i can be like half the people my parents are one day like i'll be pretty happy um but yeah they've like if i didn't have supportive parents like, I don't know what I'd be doing where I'd be but you probably wouldn't have started till 30 like me <laughs> well maybe not yeah so I didn't have that and I and I do speak to different people who either had it or don't have it yeah and there's a massive difference between people who have parents who can believe in their kids and it's not because they don't believe in you it's they don't believe in society and they haven't seen um they haven't seen that close experience of someone they know or someone within their community that have done that art mm. and being successful. But with actors and, and musicians and creatives, often they do come from places where no one else has done it before in that mm. area. And it's a beautiful thing, but it, it's just uh, everyone's different. You know, everyone thinks differently. Mm. It's not their fault. But I remember going to my careers counsellor and like, right, so what do you love, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, music. And they're like, yeah, no, that's fine, but what do you want to do for a job? Mm. <laughs> it's like... Oh, I don't know. I'll become a doctor, I guess. <laughs> I almost had the exact same experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like it's almost like yeah, but like seriously, what do you want to do? Yeah. Like what how do you want to earn money? Yeah, yeah. And then it's and then I I even had my careers counselor asked me, he's like, oh, so you're you're playing like a fair few gigs at the moment. Like what are they paying? And then I turned around to him and said, how much do you make a year? Ooh. What and I was like. Did he answer you? No. <laughs> absolutely not. But it's like. It's it's that thing where, as you said, like if if someone doesn't have someone in their life that's close to them that have either been successful or or that have gone through the hard yards with it, and and mm. they they sort of understand what it's like, then then you just don't understand. Yeah. Well, my husband was my believer mm-hmm. and my supporter, and the person that believed in me before I believed in myself. Mm-hmm. And I, after talking to two hundred and thirty plus people. That is the one common factor that everyone has. Everyone had a music teacher, parents, a lover or a partner Mm. or someone or a best friend who said, you can do this, so do it and we'll Mm. support you 100%. No one, there's no one out there that I've met that hasn't had someone give them the the button and say, you got this. I feel like that for me that was, um, 
that was not only my parents, but that I, I did have a, a teacher in year six who played guitar that I really looked up to. I had mm. a guitar teacher when I was really young that was absolutely amazing, who's a bloody legend and I'm still mates with him today. But Good. I think it's like there's multiple people in my life that are, that have been like that, that have been sort of, I guess, paving stones to to just keep me pushing on and just to reassure me that like, don't worry about what other people say. Like we're the ones that have been through this. We've done this before. And mm-hmm. like, like keep doing it. If, if it's what you love to do, if it's what you genuinely love to do, keep doing it. Like, yeah. And create opportunities and just work, continue to work hard mm. and smart. And, uh, and yeah, it grows. It's good. You've got to work smart as well. you got to work smart and you got to set yeah. boundaries. Because at the end of the day, it's like, this is a business mm-hmm. as well. Like as much as we want it to just be about the art. It's we, not we, a charity. As it's not a charity. Like to treat us like charity. Yeah. I still, I actually played a gig in Harvey Bay last weekend and um, I packed up the stage and everything and packed all my, my merch away. And some guy comes up to me after the show and goes, oh, did you pack your merch away? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm about to head off. And he goes, oh, well, do you, would it be too much of a hassle to, to get it back out? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, not at all. Like, I'd love for you to grab a shirt. Like, and um, obviously I try to like you know what sign it. Yeah, yeah. And then um, he goes to me, oh, are they free? <laughs> I was like. Oh man, nah. Sorry, like it. You gotta buy like it. not yeah, only just like I, that cost me money to make them. Yeah, like it's a, like a fair survive. bit of money to make them. So um, I was like, man, sorry. I was like, but you can, you can have a sticker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I was like, that's nice but it. yeah, I just some people just don't. They don't understand yeah. as well because there are a lot of there are a lot of artists that do it as a side thing and they have mm. a full time job and so therefore that making money as a business isn't as important to them and that's mm. a perfectly fine thing. Mm. But um, if you are a full-time business, I think it's important to let people know, like, I'm a business. For Especially sure. if a charity is hitting you up for a free gig. Yeah. I'm a business, man. I'm not a charity. I'm yeah. not registered. It's not tax-free, you know, mm. like, I've got to... And for that's sure. perfectly fine. Yeah. So tell me about your songwriting. Like, when... You said you were writing from really young. Mm. When do you feel like that, that sort of started to hit home for you and became, like more important because you said that it was all about the rock star and the guitar and then yeah. songwriting developed later. So I think maybe when I was about 15, 16, I think, <clears throat> um, was that was when I, I sort of first started recording my own music. I think that was when it was yeah. started to get a bit more real for me. It's like, Is that your first time in a recording studio? First time, in a re- home? first time in a recording studio, yeah. Oh. And it was daunting. And mum came along. Yeah. She was sitting in the back of the studio and I was like, it was just an acoustic, almost, I think we did two or three takes to a click track. Oh. Um, and I'd never played to a click track before. Oh. And I was rushing so much. Oh, I'm a rusher. <laughs> which is um, which is crazy to think because we like, like the amount of times I've played to click now, it's like, it's crazy to think like it's it's yeah. insane but yeah it's just kind of second nature now but back then I was like so excited and kind of nervous at the same time and I was just rushing but um yeah, yeah I think like to circle back on the question I think the songwriting sort of became more relevant in my life when I was about 15 or 16 and I guess even over the past couple of years since moving away from home and um and living on the road I think like I take more pride in my lyrical substance now more than ever because I feel like Growing up, you sort of you don't have the life experiences that like you can you can write about heartbreak, but you've never felt true heartbreak. I feel like at a, at a young age, mm. it's very rare. Do you feel like you've experienced heartbreak now. That's a tough question. I think in I, in in some ways, 
You'd know. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that, and I, I, honestly, when I was your age, I hated, I hated when people said this. Mm. But you know when you know. Mm, exactly. And you'll know it when you know. Yeah. Like you won't know why, but you'll know it when you know. Yeah. And that's, I married my third boyfriend, but I knew. Yeah. And, I, and until I experienced it, mm-hmm. freaking hated it when people said it to me. I was like, well, what do you mean you know when you know? That's so stupid. Yeah. But it is true. You just, you just know it. Yeah. I think the hardest thing in this industry is, is um, finding someone that is compatible with this so left of field lifestyle. Mm. It's crazy. I almost feel like this is a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, it's 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 so weird. Like I've had so many amazing people in my life, even as of recently, and it's just um and some some things I've got literally got a song called "Some Things Aren't Meant to Last," and it's about that exact thing that two people mm. can be so great on their own, but not necessarily compatible. Mm. And um, it's so hard to find someone that's compatible with this lifestyle. So, I guess going back to your question, maybe I haven't felt extreme heartbreak Mm. maybe I've felt parts of it and dabbled Mm. but I think my whole life I've been so career focused and my the one thing that I've truly truly loved in life is playing music and writing songs and and playing live shows and I think yeah it's one um, day you're going to meet someone that you love as much as you love music and I, I hope so I think until that like I'm I'm so happy with like playing music and, and just doing my thing. And I think that's that's the fun thing is like the best things come around when you're not looking for them. Yeah. And um, true. I feel like when you go looking, it's just you'll cling on to the first thing that you find and mm. that might not be the best thing you're going to find. But you're a male and you're a musician and there is no time clock mostly for you. You know, you can get to 50. I, I know a few musicians have gotten to 50 before they've started a family and settled down and... Only you know what's best for your life. So let's. I don't usually talk about relationships because that's not my forte. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> this is. This is interesting because we t- we were talking about heartbreak, and that is it, they, people do say that you can't write songs until you've had a heartbreak. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how your songs and music evolves as you experience that path. In life. Absolutely, and I feel like that's sort of what I was touching on before. Was like growing up, I feel like those life experiences weren't. You, you just you just don't have them at that mm. young of an age. So you start to write as you grow up more and more songs that actually hit home and, and are about experiences that you've actually lived through. And I think like whether it be songs about my family or songs about, uh, I don't know, being lonely on the road and, mm. um, and yeah, like the coming to terms with the weirdness of, of being a musician and learning what it's really like and, the ups and downs and moving with emotions. I think there's plenty of songs that I've written about that now that sort of lyrically hit so close to home for me than like than songs that I wrote when I was sort of anywhere between like 15 and 19. So That's beautiful though. Yeah. It's, it's something that evolves and I love watching even other people's journeys. Like I was even reading Dolly Parton's journey. It's like a big book I borrowed from the library. But it's mostly just lyrics, like song lyrics and then like little stories about stuff along the way. Mm. Um, and things evolve. Like I don't even know she did a kid's album but she did a kid's album and, you know, and now she's done a rock album and like Ray Charles. Ray Charles, <laughs> yes, Ray, yeah, yeah. Ray Charles is the same. Like he did country and rock and blues and like No, no, you kids. forgot that. You literally got the same name. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love Ray Charles. Um, so like I think 
And I, those are the artists that I really respect because they don't box themselves into like a genre. They just live their life and they, they experience all sorts of different genres and types of music and go with the flow. One artist that I've always, always idolised for that reason is John Mayer. Oh, yeah. I like... I don't care how much of a bandwagon or train it is. I love John Mayer and yeah. I love everything that he's done um, from Room for Squares up to up to his latest albums. And yeah. I think like the way that he has evolved as a musician, I think it, basically exactly what you said, the one thing that scares the absolute hell out of me that I never want to do is, is make two songs that sound the same. Oh. It's like I just... Sometimes I write five songs and I'm like, no, nope, that's just one song with a bunch of different oh. verses. <laughs> it's like, yeah, when I when I listen to an artist and I, what really draws me to an artist, I should say, is is when I listen to their music and the next song comes on and it's like, that is completely different to the last one, but you can still tell that it's them. Yeah. Whether it be a vocal thing, whether it be a, a tonal thing, melodic John thing. John has that. Massively. John Mayer's got that. Not, Not just with his voice, but the way he plays guitar. The way well. he plays guitar, and he's he's always said it that he is a singer second to a guitar player. But um, I would say I'm the opposite. I'm a singer first to a absolutely. guitar player. Absolutely, I am a <laughs> mediocre guitar player. Oh, you played pretty well. You made Bluey sound better than I make Bluey. <laughs> <laughs> I play a couple of chords here and there. I'm a rhythm guitarist in in the yeah. band that I play in, so okay. it's um. Yeah. So yeah, it's um I'm definitely not a lead guitarist by any means. Mm. I, I try to dabble. I, I got the minor pentatonic scale locked down. But, oh yeah, um, yeah. Okay. But that's about it. Yeah, I'm still working on my little finger action. Oh yeah, <laughs> doing my exercises ten minutes a day. And it's, it is getting better, like way better than what it was yeah. three years ago before I started performing publicly. Yeah, but it takes time, doesn't it? Oh, it's just all muscle memory. Yeah, I think playing because I grew up playing piano as well. Though I do have dexterity in my fingers, so that helps. Like. Yeah, You know, when you're a kid, you don't know why they like do scales. You're like, why it's so boring. But like I have that um, control on my fingers now, yeah. which is so good. Just not like that little finger that needs to actually press. How did you string. find coming from, because I was the opposite. I went from guitar to like now I can play like a, a bit of piano. Yeah, a bit of keys. How did you find going the opposite way? Like, Oh, easy. Easy. Yeah, okay. Did you find it going from guitar to piano easy? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, I feel the like it's. And the key, the keys that. Once you understand the patterns, mm-hmm. it's the same thing, really. It's it's all. I just... feel like it'd be so much harder coming from a keys background because, and like then playing guitar because everything's laid out for you on a keyboard. Yeah. And once you've got the understanding, it, it's mm-hmm. all it's all there within the the twelve notes in the octave. And yeah. I feel like on a guitar, especially in, if you're if you're playing in like standard tuning, like the intervals can be a little bit weird to wrap your head around. I, I think... feel like. Um, and plus I started really young as well. Yeah. But it's always, like like you, it's always been a passion of mine. Even when we were travelling with my parents, if I didn't have an instrument with me, I was always learning music yeah. theory and trying to keep it in my life in some way. Yeah. See, music theory, I, I it's something I've only recently been sort of getting more into and, and being able to wrap my head around. I was the complete opposite. Like I was not, not a patterns person at all. Mm, like I need right, to see okay. someone do something to like right. be able to replicate it and expand on it and then make it my own sort of thing. Like it's, and same with songs. Like, works. like yeah, the drive. I don't think it matters who you are or what you want to do. I think that's the, if you've got the drive and passion. For great it, thing about music and writing songs is there are no rules. No. At the end no of the day, rules. like if you, if you want to, yeah, if you want to write a three minute 30 song for radio, make a catchy, you might set yourself some rules. But mm. at the end of the day, if you're writing songs for you, yep. there aren't rules. I remember I, sp- I spoke to um, Andrew Ferris from NXS. Yep. Great podcast. Go listen to it. Um, 
But one of the things he talked about is that he hated that traditional doing scales and and other stuff on the piano and, and guitar. And then he found a, a teacher who just taught him how to write songs. Mm. So like the keys and what notes go together and what chords go together and actually kind of helped him develop melodies mm. rather than doing traditional lessons. And I think I wish I had someone like that when I was younger because all my piano lessons were so boring. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, I like my guitar teacher was cool in the way where I said to him, I was like, look, man, I'm not here to learn notation. I want to... I want to play songs and, and learn songs. And this was at the time where I was like starting to play gigs as well. So I wanted to learn like songs from my favorite bands. And then I, I eventually turned that into my own songs. But, um, but yeah, I think for me it was like could never wrap my head around it. So I, I just all, – all I ever wanted to do was write music and play music for a living. So it was like for me back then I was like, oh, that, that stuff's not important. But I yeah. kind of wish I put a little bit more time into it now because I'm yeah. sort of starting <laughs> – because you also sort of, have to communicate with musicians. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you want and to I think like media. that's the point where I'm at at the moment. I, yeah. I play like my backing band. Um, I've got three very, very talented session musicians that I'm playing with at the moment. And mm-hmm. um, we're like it, whether it be at soundcheck or in rehearsal and they're all just like noodling and jamming. And it's just like I don't I just want to sit back and watch this all yeah. unfold because I don't <laughs> want to like I don't want to put anything on Interrupt. this because it's like – yeah, I think it's a good place to be in for me, but it's like I feel like when it comes to, to notation and, and, and knowledge behind it, um, I'm definitely lacking in that band, which is good it's, because it's, it's like I don't have anyone else to rely on. Yeah, but it pushes you it to pushes be better me. as well. But the thing I can do is write songs. Yes. Which is like that's my job and I'm happy that's my job yeah. because that's what I fucking love to do. <laughs> all right, so talking about songwriting, do you co-write at all or is all your stuff? I do. In, okay, so what, yeah. tell me about your co-writing experience. So I have co-written with a with a couple of people before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I first started co-writing, the hardest thing was, I guess, trying to – I was so used to writing my own ideas um, that it was like you've just got to let go a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think is is the best thing and got of like me, I'm a very like, I love taking creative control in projects. And I think that's, I've written a lot of songs on my own mm-hmm. more than I can remember. But yeah, bringing that into a, um, into a co-writing sort of environment, I feel like you've got to lose a part of that. You've- yeah. We, it's, it's allowing space for the other person's creative juices. And that's the point of it, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. The way that I see it is you're trying to f- figure out this like, weird map both together and you might have different ideas on like what direction is going to take you there. Mm. But at the end of the day, like you've, you've both got one destination as we were talking about before. It's like a little mm. song baby yeah. that you want to create. And it's like, you might have different ideas and like the feature and the features of that song and, and the direction of that song. And sometimes the best thing to do is let go of one of your ideas because there's only like everyone sees melody and rhythm and rhymes and, and the way that they shape lyrics in a different way to the next person. So I think like that is the most special thing is like, like even yesterday I was in a co-writing session and, um, and like in the morning we were, we were both playing over the exact same verse and I could hear two of my mates humming two completely different melodies to what I was humming. I was like, this is really cool because it's like, we are seeing this song so differently. We are seeing this map so differently, but we, we really want to get to that end goal, which is that song. And the magic of the two of you coming together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think the best part is when you finally sort of let yourself let go a little bit Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, that 
that idea is really, really cool there. I like my idea more here personally. Mm. I think the best thing in those situations just, is just creatively and as people being honest with each other, mm. being like, if you don't like that idea 100%, you just, you just tell them. You have to say so. Yeah. Because like the one, one bad line in a song, if you don't speak up, every time you hear that song, that mm. one, one line is going to be so annoying, even a word. Like if you hadn't said something and had, even have the debate and if the debate comes out, do you know what, it does turn out to be the best song. Mm. If you don't speak up about it, this is my experience, that it just niggles away and you're mm. like, damn it. Maybe it could be better. I don't know. I find that in the studio setting as well. Like there's been times where like there's been a little like whether it be a vocal take or like one of my guitar takes where there's like a part. It's always stuff that I do. Mm. You can never notice it when when other people are doing it. I feel like (laughs) you're always your biggest critic. But um, yeah, especially vocally, like if there's a little part in a song that I like record and like I'm not happy with it and I don't speak up to the producer then and there and I've got to listen to mixes and... Yeah. release the song that way if it even gets to that if point. It, if like it gets it's, into, the studio, into the final mix, you're like, yeah, it. It's like I should have replaced <laughs> that then and there. And it's the same with songs. It's like yeah. I feel like I do a lot of co-writing with mates. I love, love, love writing with mates and people that I've sort of shared a bit of life with. Mm. I think that's the best way because you know each other and um, I'm at a point with like when I'm writing with my mates if like – I want them to tell me if my idea sucks. Yeah. I want them to tell me if it's good. Yeah. Like I, I, I want everyone in the room at the time to be honest because we are – the one thing we're trying to do is write a good song. Yeah. Like we're not there to write a shit song. And also I think there is a certain level of confidence that you have to develop mm. within yourself because sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll take it to someone and they think it's shit and then I'll take it to someone else and it's, you know – or I've had ideas that I've taken to like ten people. Mm. No one's wanted to write it with me. I get to the point where I'm like, do you know what, screw it, I'll write it on my own. Mm. And then it's been released and done really well in the mm. charts. It's like I could have shared that with someone else but maybe it was just meant to be a me song. Yeah, and that's so yeah. okay. It's absolutely okay. Not every song is going to hit everyone in the world yeah. with incredible awe. doesn't yeah. mean it's not valid or important or still beautiful. I think like I've got so many me songs that I'm like, so passionate about and, and care so much about that I'm like scared to take into a, a co-writing session. Don't take him into a co-writing session. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like there's there's so many songs that I haven't for that reason. I think you know. <laughs> you know when you know. You um, know no. when you know. That's, that's the theme <laughs> of today's podcast. I think I know. I think I, I agree. I'm probably 50-50. I 50% I love co-writing with people mm. but I also love writing my own stuff. Probably mm. for the therapeutic part of just like diary writing. Mm. Um, and they are different. From what I like, what I do with someone else versus what I do on my own, but I think that's still okay. Mm. Like it's okay to do both for sure. And even like what you were just saying about like it is a form of like journaling and diary writing. But like, how good is that even on its own? Like just being able to write and write without like feeling like it needs to have a structure. Yeah, absolutely. for me that has opened up so many ideas, and like I I almost wish that like I had a bit more motivation to to do that more. I'd love to be the person that journals every day. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't. I know Pat Patterson's books, like you have to do so many minutes every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great practice. It's like meditation. Great practice. Get yeah. Habit. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm one of those people, like if I get into a habit and I'm doing it every day, it's like I'm, I'm there. I'm there for the routine. I love routine. Yeah. But as soon as I like start to fall out of that, mm. like it's, yeah. I've had, I have moments where I'm so inspired mm. by something I can't sleep. 
Yeah. And so the kids will be asleep and I'll, I'll, it'll be like three o'clock in the morning and I have to get up and I'll just make a cup of tea and I just write pages. Like there's no actual concept. This may not even be rhyming or a melody. Mm. It's just I'm just writing pages and pages. And at the end of it, a song kind of like pops out of it. Like mm. it's so weird. <laughs> but that's the best thing. Like I, I think – being so creatively free and like the, this is one thing that I do struggle with when writing is like just putting anything down. Yeah. Like I, I love, I don't know, I, for some reason there's a part of me that like I feel like at times everything that I need to put down needs to be good, which is a trap. Yeah. Which is a massive trap. That's that self-critical thinking. It's that well. self-critical thinking thing. Um, but a part of me recently, like, and I mean very recently, has gotten to a point where, like, I'll be like, oh, that might be a filler line and we'll come back to that, but it might not be a filler line like that. You get used to hearing it and mm. it's like it grows on you. And I think I love what you just said about, like, songs like that. Like, you don't necessarily have to release that song. You can love it and and have it and you could be the only one that hears it mm. and you can love it and that be your song. That's so fine. Like I, mm. yeah, I think that's that's one thing that I want to challenge myself to do as a writer is is more so just like, don't write songs that I feel like have to make an album or or an yeah, EP right or you. or go on radio or anything like that. Like, I don't yeah. have to get released or see any light of day. Yeah. So I think like yeah, write for you is is the biggest goal at the moment. I love that. I think the same goes for any artist. Like when you're creating anything, the first reason you should be doing it is for you. And you have to love it. And when people do that with their art, like you can tell, I reckon. When you oh. know that they haven't written it for popularity, they've written it because they love it. No matter who it is, artists are so, they're so transparent. They are. Isn't you it? can see you straight through it. the bullshit. <laughs> and you can see straight through the goodness of people as well. Like it's, yeah. Um, yeah and I guess that's another thing, like, touching back on that question before was like how, how my songwriting's developed over time is like, I'm starting to write more for me. Yeah. I don't feel like I have to. Um, and I feel like sometimes people reach this at a, at a later point in their career, but like, I'm, I feel free in a way that like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make bangers. Like I used to, I used to, when I was writing, I'm like, Oh, I've got to write a banger. Like yeah, it's, yeah. And then dance you just, monkey. That's got to be, you my just, <laughs> you just end up writing nothing at all. Yeah. If you, you like, unless you're on fire. Cause you're not writing it for yourself. Yeah. Unless that's your talent. Like there are songwriters out there that just, you know, oh, they just. They know. Yeah. Prodigies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if there's any out there that are keen to work together, let me know. But, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> but, <laughs> Follow. But, yeah, Follow um, I think what you were saying about just writing things because you love writing them yeah. and that anything that comes beyond that is a bonus. I think when you're a singer-songwriter as well and you're the one performing those these songs – it's important to have that personal connection to it because that is also transparent. I um, <laughs> I recently watched um, a YouTube video, and when I say recently, I mean like two nights ago. Yeah. Where um, this guy I thought was covering a song on YouTube. Yeah. Um, a country artist actually, which is what I love about country music as well, is like people write songs for other people, but you can tell when it's their song. Yeah. It's like for me, I, I was watching this YouTube video and I was like, this guy's covering this song better than the, the cut version that I've heard. And yeah. I was like, I was like, surely this is, I went and checked the song credit. It's his song. It's his song. It's his song and he's putting it on, on his album. Which I'm not going to mention this. Oh, um, what was it called? Oh, Man Made a Bar. Okay. So it's originally written by Larry Fleet, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but it was 
cut by Morgan Wallen and Eric Church. Oh, wow. And it was yeah, like, okay. even on Morgan's album, it's a great song. And that's like, I fell in love with that song. But um, when I when I heard Larry's version on YouTube, I was like, yeah. this is like, feels like how the song was meant to be. That's so It was cool. acoustic guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was two guys on acoustic guitars just singing a song. And it was yeah. like, this feels like how this song was like, Probably how it was written. I went to the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville earlier this year. It was my first time there and there was a band that got up at the very end. Yeah. And I didn't know who they were. I was like, they were cool. They are like a little fiddle band. And then um, he said, you know, so grateful to be back. And one of the rules of being a member of the Opry is that when you get up on stage at the Opry, you have to sing the song that got you here. And he, started, he proceeded to sing Wagon Wheel. Which is like, rock me, mama. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, Darius oh, my God, that's his song. Makes so much. And he, same thing, performed the crap out of it. It was so good. Who Way better than song? the original. <laughs> I'm going to insert the spot here. name of the because <laughs> I don't know. Quick cut to this one. We thought I thought we'd better do some uh, trivia for this song. So before Darius Rucker took Wagon Wheel to the top of the charts, it was originally recorded by the Old Crow Medicine Show and co-written by the band's frontman, Catch the core and the legendary Bob Dylan. It took me like many years to realize that like people are songwriters for a living, for for a living, I should say. Yeah, it's like that's that's people's like full time job. Less and less these days. Yeah, mm. unfortunately. Mm. But like one of like one of my goals this year was to get over to Nashville, but unfortunately, I've just been like, oh no, way too. Yeah, Brad said you were going to Packed go. up. What's yeah, we were meant to go in October. Um, we got offered a couple of shows over here that we couldn't really pass up. And oh. also um, I had an issue with my car that cost me a fair bit of money. Right. European cars oh. and importing parts and is, um, living in it. is not cheap. And it's <laughs> yeah. like my house, so I need to like go to invest. What are you playing? <clears throat> that, is, that was a clash. Oh, we're doing um, a bunch of dates with Brad Cox. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, we're supporting him around the country. Um, especially because you started so young, young as well, what sort of advice would you give to people a bit younger than you maybe who are kind of starting out in the industry now that you're a bit more mature? Yeah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, you're still close, it's still fresh. What do you think you've learned that you wish you had have known a bit earlier? I think what we're talking about, that you've got to do it for you. Mm-hmm. You can't be doing it for anyone else. You can't be doing it for an expectation to, to get a song on radio or get a song nowadays that's like more so playlisted. Mm. Um, you need to be doing it for the genuine love of doing it. And anything that comes with that is a bonus, whether it be people coming along to shows, people listening to your music. If you're, if you're writing songs and and playing music because you genuinely love it, then no one can take that away from you. And I think that's the one thing, the most important thing that I've learned. Preach it. Preach. (laughs) Preach, brother. (laughs) I love it. That's, it's really good. Um, okay. And I feel like. I know the answer to the next question already, but if you could collaborate with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Chris Stapleton. Oh, yes. Yes. That bloke is unreal. Oh, my God. So good. Um, Millionaire, favourite song. I know he didn't write that, but, you know, Millionaire. Apparently he didn't write Tennessee Whiskey either. He, he didn't I, write a lot of songs. He's, he's an artist. But he writes so, so many amazing songs. He does write amazing songs. He's, um, I'm, Kevin I'm, Walsh, who's been on the show, he wrote Millionaire. And wow. so I got to talk to him, I'm like, yay. And he's, I need to go and listen to that he's one. He's a solo writer as well. He's one of the only songs that has done really well on Billboard Hits that was only one songwriter. Most of them have that like song. That song is incredible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think collaborating with, like, both live and 
I just want to see him play live. I don't oh. know. <laughs> I haven't even Chris, if you're hearing this man, come to Australia, please. Please, yeah. And give us VIP backstage tickets. <laughs> we'll open for you in some and form And jump or on other. this podcast and talk about songwriting and do yes. it better than I have. <laughs> oh, man, we'd learn so much from that one. Um, but, yeah, no, he's, he's incredible and done it for so long. I love it when you see people who really stick it out because you know it. When you're doing it, it is tough. And someone that's so authentic. That's the yeah. thing that I am loving about music at the moment is I feel like we are moving in a direction where it's like things are becoming more authentic and people are craving mm. um, authenticity, and, authenticity and, and people just being themselves. Because as we said, like it's so transparent. Mm. It's like, and that's the one thing that I love about sort of the current taste of music and how they're shifting is like people are, are craving genuinity and do you know what? It was when I was younger and I said I was doing music, the few times I did share music with people or they overheard it mm. and they'd be like, oh, where'd that come from? Because they didn't know my situation, right? And sometimes the songs would be really dark. Mm. They'd be like, oh, like that doesn't sound like something you would create. Where did it come from? And I was like, oh, it's just a song. Like, you know, I was just playing around. And I, I felt so safe in being able to say it's just art. Like mm. I'm just creating something that's stupid, doesn't mean anything. And now as an adult and I realise how transparent music, I'm like, oh, my God. I was like so vulnerably sharing stuff <laughs> that, that like no wonder they were worried and concerned <laughs> Dude, it's it's so funny like i i love like when i'm as i said my parents live back home in newcastle um yeah. i love like i have the house to myself for a day and i'll just write songs and write songs yeah. and like i'll be sitting in the kitchen and mum and dad will come home and like i don't want to write this song anymore because they're the people that are closest to me and i don't want them to like yeah, think like them. something's up yeah like mom always asks okay. me like she'll she'll hear a song and she is like the most caring person you'll ever yeah. meet and like she'll hear me like post a song like on an instagram story or like on a post or something or even just me singing it in the kitchen she goes are you okay yeah <laughs> and my mom yeah i'm sweet just just because i'm writing something sad i'm 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 all I'm all good. But I'm just getting this out. It means you're getting it out and you're processing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that's like the this healthy thing. That's the that's the time you don't need to worry about. If you know someone who's creative and they're not creating, mm. that's the time to worry. I think because oh. they're suppressing it. That could be the best thing I've heard all week. Yeah. Honestly, like um I, I think yeah, it becomes our therapy and our way of communicating with not only others but like our own feelings, navigating our way through. Yeah through life and the motions and all the shit parts and all the good parts too. <laughs> so good. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this, but. No, that's fine. I'm just ticking explicit boxes. <laughs> I can edit it out. Um, this would be fun to edit anyway because we've gone on so many tangents. Oh, yeah. But sorry about that. No, no. I love it. I love it. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been therapeutic for me too because you've been quite curious. I always um, am. I feel, yeah, that's good. I think you have to be. Um, I, I'm a very curious soul. So I'm going to put like all the public social links and things on the blog and on the podcast and there'll be a blog on the website as well. So anyone who's listening to this who wants to go check out your music, follow your journey, follow you on socials, they can do that there. Amazing. Um, Is there anything else you would like to share while you're on the show? The the stage is yours. You can say whatever you want. I think the one thing that I, I really wanted to share was what you asked about the advice for younger musicians because I know what it's like. I've been there not that long ago. I mm. still am very fresh. I'm like a little baby in this scene. But, um, yeah, I think it was just that one thing about just doing it for you and making sure that the art that you're creating is is genuine to you and it's um, it's something that you enjoy doing because you're the one that's got to do it, every, like play the songs every night if you're a live musician. Mm-hmm. You're the one that's got to write and release the songs and they're, they're – they're tied to you, so so do you and, and be you and 
And it's a whole lifestyle, which we've touched a little bit on and off this podcast around. Sometimes it means really late nights, depending on the genre that you're in. Yeah. And sometimes it means getting up really early or catching flights and it might impact your ability to buy a home and have a relationship and have Mm. kids. Like it's not just the music. There is a whole lifestyle that you have to consider. Mm -hmm. Even my partner and I, when we we first got together, we were like, we're not going to work weekends. We have Mm. children. We're not going to do jobs that mean we have to work on the weekends. And that that weekend family time for us was really precious. Mm. So when I decided I was going to get into music or when we were looking at it, we had to have some serious conversations because we were like, that's – that's going to be weekend work. I know mm. it's going to be weekend work. That's when all the live entertainment stuff yeah. is. Um, and it means touring if you're successful and going overseas and being away for weeks or maybe months at yeah. a time. And it's something that we had to have that discussion because it, it impacts them and their lifestyle, my kids and my husband. And same for anyone in, in this industry. Like you've got to think about not the just sacrifices. what you love but the lifestyle that you want for your life because you only live once. There are so many things that you've got to put on hold to like, to do this thing. Yeah. That's the one thing I've realized, like coming up through school, like I missed out on so many parties and events and hanging out with mates because I was playing gigs in pubs and, mm. and sort of even now, like I, I miss Plenty out. time for the parties. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but there's like, there's so many times even now that like I'm on the road for extended periods of time and like I miss things like family's birthdays and, and, yeah. and events and social gatherings that I, I really want to be a part of but it's just it life doesn't allow for my mm. mine doesn't at least and like i guess yeah you've got to be willing to make sacrifices and 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 put things aside to do the thing that you love to do and mm. i heard a great line last night from an actor that i was working with and he because you know how people always say oh life's too short yeah so cliche but so true it is too short but it's also the longest thing you'll ever do your life is the longest thing you'll ever do mm but you just got to make the most of it. I think that scares the shit out of some people. Well, the fact that it does end at some point. Mm. It does. And every choice we make changes the journey. And, yeah, that's another podcast. So I'm going to finish up. <laughs> I'll be talking we'll talk about forever. songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but it's like I love the topic because it just it always goes off on different tangents. Yeah. Thank you so much, Austin McKay. You've been amazing. Yeah, and I thank can't you wait so to share your music me. and everything you're doing and follow your journey and support your journey as well. Perfect. Same goes. And let's write some songs together. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for joining our songwriter Tris today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website, songwritertrists.com. Crowd, no one can hear me. Wish I could.